Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 134, brought to you by Hoka, don't forget that, and we'll talk a little bit about Hoka in this show actually, so sit tight. A couple of shows ago, episode 128, I spoke to my usual co-host Rob Jones about a 24-hour running race in Belfast. On the weekend, Rob undertook that race, so firstly, if you've not listened to it, go back listen to show 128. Once you're done, come back to this show, because on this show, I'm going to interview Rob, ask him a few questions about his race, and find out, did he achieve what he wanted to? So, please welcome Rob to the show. Robert, get your tones back on the show. I'm back. Hello. Your tones sound normal. I'm, I'm sounding a little bit uh, bunged up. Not COVID, may I ask, but uh, not usual voice. So if you sounds like I'm talking with my nose uh, being held, it's, it's because it is being held, but from the inside. It's like you've got one of those swimming nose plugs on. Yeah. yeah. You don't. I don't. You can see me. I don't. <laughs> hey, how are you feeling? 48 uh, hours post 24. Not even. Oh, wait. Right now, it's not even 48 hours post 24, is it? It is uh 23 hours 27 minutes there you go <laughs> i was thinking ahead i was thinking ahead to wednesday oh sorry yes because release on wednesday <laughs> um in all honesty my mind i you know i was sitting outside earlier having coffee thinking i feel actually rather fantastic and i came in opened up my laptop and i've tried to ca- catch up with some tasks and i'm just there's nothing there mentally i am drained and physically i'm also absolutely cooked (laughs) is there a day that you don't go i feel absolutely fantastic i I thought well i'm waiting for it (laughs) how much coffee today i've I've only had one i've only had one no i've just been i've been rehydrating with uh some precision actually nice actually that reminds me when you wake up and you've just got dry mouth and your body just Mm. feels just feels dry everything felt dry um, and I hydrated loads last night, but I guess it's the overcompensation effect of moving for that amount of time. You finish. And the last thing you want to do when you finish running is just drink more fluids or drink mm. more electrolytes. So I didn't really drink much. I had a beer, um, I had a Coke Zero uh, and a glass of water with dinner. And that was it. So this morning I was just, I felt a bit rough. <laughs> Not Coke hungover. Zero? Why Coke Zero? I don't like full fat Coke. It's too, it does something weird. It like, it feels like it covers my teeth with a film of, I don't know, weirdness. But Coke Zero is okay. And it's obviously, but, it's sugar-free. Right, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. So it's, it's healthy. you're drinking it for the sugar <laughs> or what? No, no. I was just drinking it for, for something different, for the palate. Ah, yeah. What about a gin and tonic? No, I had a, a beer. I had some. Oh, yeah, yeah. But follow up. I'll follow, follow up. up. I'll do that tonight. It's okay. Guinness. You're in Ireland. Why aren't you drinking Guinness? That's no. That's that's what's coming on later. We're oh. going to a nice local pub for a Guinness. Apparently, nice. my, my cousin tells me it does the best Guinness. I, I don't believe. Of course, it, it does. The, um, listeners of the show who don't know what Guinness is, can you explain, mate? It's a stout beer that is brewed yeah. uh, at a brewery just down the road. There you go. And here's something, my party trick. No matter how much Guinness I drink, whether it's one pint or six, I will throw it up three hours later. <laughs> it's been tested several times. I, I'm going to bring some back. 
Yeah, you can. And uh, I'll honestly, I could drink it like in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. I love it. But uh, it will be coming back up at 3 p.m. Can't That's tell you why. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand why if it was six, but maybe not one. No, one, I can do it as well. It's very odd. <laughs> very odd. Right, mate. Yes. I don't quite know where to start. It's always tricky mm. post-event. You're, you're still processing it, which is important to do. And I always think these things are good to get down immediate feedback and then very good to get it down a few weeks later on. Let's start. Let's start further back. So you did episode one two eight on this, which is which is training to run twenty four hours. Mm. When did this race become a goal of yours? Uh, once we'd had Robbie Britton on the show, on the podcast mm. that scene, he was talking about running and training with a twenty four hour team. And I thought about it when Marcus did his twenty four hours around the four hundred meter track. Thought that that intrigued me. And then when Robbie was talking about it on the show it sort of, it tickled my curiosity more. And it was something that I'd always wanted to tick off. And this race actually was in, this Belfast race that we've just run was originally meant to be in an October, or it was October mm. last year um, due to COVID. And they pulled it back to June again. So I thought, well, why not? Let's go for it. It's a good time of year. Mm. It's nice to hop over to Ireland. We could come in, well, Marcus then could come down and see Simon. Um, and I could see some family and it would, it worked out quite well. And then when did you start specifically training for it? For this, uh, it was probably about three months before, before now. Nice. Yeah. I mean, originally the, the initial, this was meant to be October. So the original plan is meant to be UTMB, which is at the end of August. So my block was building up for that. Mm. Um, so throwing in instead <laughs> instead of having a 175k mountain race first, um, and then Ultra X Slovenia, we completely changed tack, and it was then down to a max distance, completely flat race. Although there is one hill in this course, it's it's about four meters per loop, <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't feel like a hill on that one, but it certainly felt like a hill towards the latter stages of this totally. race. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it was just a sort of a flip of the of the training if you like so there was less focus on really heading out to the mountains every weekend and more about getting some volume in and training at times where i didn't really want to train mm. um, and you talked about that in in the previous show and yeah how how was that mate because you've not really trained like that before how did you find the training in the three months running up um there was bits of it i liked and there's bits of it i really really didn't like so i didn't like doing long really long training sessions on my own actually to be honest in the dark um, uh. which you traditionally i have quite liked like i don't i like going out and i like suffering and i like doing generally i thought i liked doing that sort of thing but i i realized that doing stuff like that on my own i wasn't quite as motivated as i would normally would have been and i don't know if that was because i was expecting it to be in october or i don't know if i'd be motivated to maybe do ultra x the the five day 250 and this was then brought forward i can't quite figure out yet why why i wasn't as motivated to do those long training runs as i normally would have been um i was still in the lead up to this i was still being pulled towards wanting to run in the mountains than to wanting to run flat long training sessions obviously quite... the specific 
training for this would have been flat long long, long yeah. flat training sessions exactly and you actually said it to me the the week before whenever we did that hill rep that long hill rep you went this is perfect specificity for that race that you're doing the <laughs> worst. I, I know yeah the worst a long 10k hill rep um but that was really that sort of stuff really excited me and a long flat session just wasn't motivating me mm. um which is something I, I tried to unpick during the race actually, because I had some time to think and reflect yeah. in, the, in the second half. So I think that's actually a very good point to go to then. Like if you knew then a week out, you weren't motivated to run long and flat. Did that worry you for the race? Um, yes and no. Yes. In the sense that I thought maybe I wouldn't have been, motivated to run hard at the race and i would have given up if if an opportunity arose and no because i still wanted to run 24 hours i've always like i had that cemented down and it was in my notebook that i, I did want to do that goal i perhaps just wasn't it wasn't at the top of my list at that time is that that doesn't really articulate very well i was <laughs> i still wanted to run hard and I still wanted to see what would happen to me mentally over that time frame, over a long flat course. But I don't think that if it, if it had been pushed to another date, I wouldn't have been disappointed. To let listeners understand a bit more, what, because some will never have the concept in their minds of mm. wanting to push themselves. Like you said, you, you want to see where your mind goes over. 24 hours and push hard enough to go there and and some people find that in you know a 20 minute say 20 minute threshold run or you know they love smashing themselves around a track and, and some people like yourself love to see what happens over 24 hours what is it exactly that you're looking for to happen when you're saying that you want to sort of go there with your mind so like you say on a 20 minute run you can run hard for 20 minutes and you know that mentally you might find it you might find it hard and you might stop but in a 20 minute hard run probably what's going to give up first is if you're pushing hard enough it's going to be physical probably more than mental there might be some elements of mental in there but over a day you're going to have it's not just surface emotions you have every single emotion that you can possibly process your mind is going to be saying things to you that you've never even thought about. You're going to have scenarios flying around in your head that you hadn't even considered. And that was what intrigued me about running that long um, and trying to run a sustained effort for that amount of time. Because the effort really, the effort isn't a hard effort in the sense of pace wise, but over a long period of time, it just, your mind starts to play tricks with you. And so there'd be times when you'd be running and you think I'd be running quite quickly. And you look down at your watch and you're running maybe 6.30 per K. And then five minutes later, you think, oh, this is effortless. And you look down at your watch and you're running 4.59 per K. You know? Oh, no, wait, the wrong way around. Yeah, but it's <laughs> just things didn't feel right. Things that felt easy were actually hard and things that were hard felt easy. And it would just, it would flip and switch. Mm. And you tell yourself, that you couldn't run one minute and then you start running for laps on end the next minute you tell yourself that you were stupid and worthless one minute and then the next minute you feel on top of the world you would convince yourself that you're going to quit one minute and then 
the, the next minute you're going, Ati, sod this, I'm going to walk for 13 hours to finish. And I don't mm. care about the distance. And you tell yourself stories and you process scenarios and you think about things in the past and you think about things in the future. You'd look at other people. There's just so much going on. And then you've got to, like, everyone else has got their own sort of inner turmoil going on as well and are having these conversations with themselves and put all that together. It's just a cracking event. It's very interesting. Um, some of you will have heard of central governor theory, which yeah. is, I can't remember actually the author. I really should remember that. But the theory that your mind actually is the one that will stop you, whether it stops you through a muscle injury or stops you through stopping energy or just stops you through being able to put one foot in front of the other again is that it's not actually you know the muscles work basically as hard as the mind lets them mm. and uh and there's loads of factors in that fatigue being one heat uh you know state of energy in terms of your diet and things but it's, it's very interesting, like, like you say, 20 minutes, you know, you can suffer, you can deal with it, you can, you know, it's only 60 more seconds left or whatever, even if it's five minutes to go, okay, but I'm over halfway. But 24 hours is, you know, you've gone for 12 hours and that's only halfway. There must be a whole other element to what your brain is trying to throw at you to get you to stop because you're not running hard enough that it can almost give you an excuse like you've run out of energy or mm. your muscles given up or, you know, you, you have to slow down because you're running too fast because you're really not for 24 hours. So your brain will start to throw different things at you. And maybe, I don't know whether it, you know, we could, we could say some theorize it, some, some maybe wouldn't that you go digging into past thoughts, maybe past traumas, past things that have gone wrong to bring it up to get yourself to stop and then yeah. the opposite side to that is your brain then throws up ways of you know past successes or future successes things you want to achieve in the future then you you know you're running you've still got another 12 hours and your brain's thinking of things that you want to do in the future and it's all to combat because of thoughts that you've had of what's gone wrong in the past and it is very unique to doing long distance ultra stuff yeah. that you just wouldn't get over the short term. Yeah, and it's during, because the plan that I had was, well, I had a few plans for this. So originally, when I sat down and originally mapped it out, I had a huge, big, if you like, stretch goal of 250 kilometers. And then from the, from the training that I'd done and the, the test runs that I put in, I quickly scrapped that and I dropped my, my goal down. And I thought, okay, I've done a 12-hour 120 kilometers around our track at sport city so i thought okay 240 kilometers that's going to be that'd be a really good push if everything goes well i think i can achieve that and so on the day we started off and the plan was to go um just run comfortably at the start like obviously easier than you want to run and that worked out at about five minutes 30 per kilometer it was super relaxed I was running with the guy uh, that ultimately won it in the end. We stuck together for about three hours um, just super conversational um, really nice guy. And then I eased off and I started the, the strategy that was walk run. And that was going really, really well as well. Fantastic. Um, and so 
at this stage, everything's going fantastically. Now, I planned for scenarios to go wrong. And I have sort of a plan B, plan C, plan D for things go wrong. And it's interesting that throughout the race, as all these goals, when things started to unravel and things did go wrong, and you almost, you start beating yourself up going, oh, I've missed this one. I've missed this one. I've missed this one. And then I actually find joy in coming up with new and exciting goals that then I could achieve in the remaining time that I had. Dopamine. <laughs> Dopamine, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> what was interesting was at this stage, I still had nine hours to go. And in effect, I couldn't run really. Or I, I didn't yeah. think I'd be able to run anymore. It was all walking. And the first thing I thought was I should stop. And then when I, uh, I hopped onto a physio table and she was prodding me and basically told me that she couldn't touch my, my hamstring because she didn't want to do any damage. And I said, well, what, you know, should I take an anti-inflammatory? And she said, well, I'm, I'm not allowed to tell you if you can take an anti-inflammatory. So, so does that mean I'm allowed to take an anti-inflammatory? She said, I'm not allowed to tell you to take an anti-inflammatory. Okay, so what should I do? She said, well, you should probably stop running. I was like, right, well, okay. She probably knows more than me at this stage. So I'm going to keep walking. And it didn't seem like much at the time, but I started walking. I was like, holy shit, I'm going to have to walk for nine hours. And I started doing the maths in my head. Like, right, what can I realistically achieve? So the goal was, okay, I'm going to walk at sub 10 minutes a K for nine hours and hit 6K every hour. And then if I can run later on, maybe I'll try and run. But that's running's off the cards. It's nine hours of walking. Fantastic. Here we go. Um, and so I did that for, uh, I think I hit 10K in 90 minutes when I hopped off the physio table and then came back to the physio and got her to, um, we came down this hill, this hill that I talk about. And I, I tried running and it felt like I could run for about 10 to 15 strides. Like, ooh, that's better than 90 minutes ago when I couldn't run at all. I'll hop back on the physio table, get her to do what she did last time. And then maybe I'll be able to run further than 15 strides. And then I'll go for maybe like 50 strides running, 50 strides walking. And then maybe then I could go for uh, like 8K an hour. That'd be fantastic. That's even better. And then I hopped on the physio table again. She went, you're worse than before. What are you doing? <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so you, you should really just stop. So I'm like, okay, now I've got like six and a half hours. I'm just going to keep walking seven hours or whatever it was i'm just going to keep walking so then i just got out back to walking okay 6k an hour that's the goal that's the goal that's the goal and i was really really happy with that and then towards the end some of my family turned up and so i was walking with them it was conversational but those i'm not articulating this really well at all i think it's still fuzzy but those nine hours were probably the longest nine hours i've ever had in a run or walk <laughs> It went the slowest it had ever gone. And I had every single emotion I could think about. Everything wanted me to stop, but I knew deep down that I was never going to stop. If that mm. makes sense. I turned yeah. up to finish a 24 hour event. And so I wasn't going to stop until my watch, I wasn't going to stop moving until my watch said 24.00.01. And that was, that was something that I was really, really happy I messaged you actually, or when you messaged me yesterday, I said, I've I achieved something that I wanted to. And that was what I wanted to do, to have those internal battles and to almost overcome them. Maybe not physically, but mentally. Mm.
I think, yeah. I mean, it's very hard to say is if you're not there and no one else can really understand it because only you had that position where you have to walk for that long. But uh, I think anyone ask anyone to just go for a walk for that long and they'll probably be <laughs> saying no to it. Yeah, it's what. Um, what's the feeling, mate, when you decide? Okay, I'm. I now I'm going to walk for nine hours. What? What are you? What are you feeling in that moment? Um, I was angry. I was frustrated. I was upset. I was disappointed. Um, I felt like I'd let everybody down. Um, it's interesting because I thought I'd gone there and I was really, really attached to running a distance. And I thought I'd be more upset that I couldn't hit the distance. But what I was more upset about was that obviously we have huge support here. We've got, you know, Heidi and Hannah, are obviously my, my rock, and they put so much effort into, into helping me out with these things. And they just want to see me do really, really well. And then we've got all the guys at Interfight, the, the coaches, the clients, the support network is huge. And I just felt in that moment that everyone would be, all the people that are watching and supporting, they put so much into you wanting to do well. I just felt I'd let everyone down. Mm. And I don't know why, because I hadn't really told anyone how far I wanted to run. So no one else was attached to that distance other than me. Yeah. So that was Plus you also know that no one would would hold you accountable to that. It's just mm. they just support you. Yeah. Whatever, right? Exactly. Um, but that's something that I was telling myself in my head. So I was angry and frustrated and upset and annoyed at myself for that. And then when I I'd let go of that, I let go of that quite quickly, I think. Um, it's hard to tell because you see the same one mile loop every couple of minutes. Uh, but then once I disattached myself from the distance goal, it became about what could I achieve in the time I had left and what could I do to give myself the best experience in the time remaining. And that ended up being walk for nine hours. Mm. Yeah. Still had a fantastic time doing it. <laughs> well, what else are you going to do? Sit on the side and, well, that, that was it. it right? And I saw a, there was a lot of people that would stop and they'd take naps um, and they'd go and lie down in tents and they'd spend some time sitting. And whilst I've got nothing against that, I, I just couldn't bring myself to do that. The only time I think I stopped was uh, to go to the toilet, to jump on the physio table and to change my shoes a few times. And that yeah. was, you know, we're talking a couple of minutes at a time, really. But other than then, that, it was to try and continue moving for 24. Were you, uh, were you worried about sort of damaging yourself for the, for the future races? It's funny you said, yes. When, so the, the, the reason I stopped running was I was running absolutely fine. Um, everything is tired, obviously it's a few niggles. Hips were fine. Uh, calves, Achilles were fine. Quads were fine. All felt good. And then... We were coming down the, the hill and this pain behind my knee, it sort of, it went zero, like on a scale of 10, it just went zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I stopped, walked for a bit. Like, oh, that's weird. Walked for about 15 strides, started running again. And again, it just went zero, one, two, three, four, five, six. I'm like, oh shit, that's fuck, it's really, really sore. And so I had a little rub 
and it's just like a huge swelling behind my knee. Like whether it was, it must've been fluid, I guess, or I don't know, just swelling from, from, the, uh, from the hamstring. And the physio then told me that she didn't want to poke it because there's too many, what did you say, too many lymph nodes and mm. bits and pieces behind the knee joint. But she's like, it's, yeah, so it's, it's really red and it's really swollen. Have you been poking it? I'm like, well, I haven't really touched it, to be honest. But, ah, okay. A couple of rubs. Yeah. <laughs> the insertion of your hamstring is super inflamed. So this is probably why you can't pull it up to run. And so it's just giving you instant pain. But, you know, this is why I'd recommend stopping. This is what, and then I asked her to take the anti-inflammatory. She wouldn't say yes. Um, so I could walk because when you're walking, you're not really using your hamstring as much. Are you using your hip flexors and your quads? You don't need to pull your leg up and through so much. So walking yeah. was fine. So I could do that. And then towards the end of the race, I could shuffle a little bit, albeit with pain. Um, mm. But I knew that walking wouldn't do me any damage. It wasn't sore to walk initially, um, but it was sore to run. So I figured running's off the table, but walking is fine. Yeah. And then waking up today, the only thing that's really sore is uh, my ankle joints, actually, and mm. my hamstring, obviously. I'm sure. Yeah. And, and if it is a behind-the-knee site, tendon site, then it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've actually injured that direct site. It can be from elsewhere. It can be nervous system-related. You know, there's loads of things it it could be um but it's very interesting that it was enough to stop you running but you knew you could still walk with it yeah this part of me did think as well like say nervous system and then i thought exactly what you said earlier is it mental is it my mind telling just telling my body that i've picked up an injury to stop um mm. which is another reason why i did want to keep going to see if if i walked for a bit would my mind let go of that and allow me to run again and it didn't <laughs> no of course um, not but my my body is interesting but my body was playing huge tricks on me so that i'd be i'd be dripping buckets of sweat one minute and then the next minute i'd be shivering so i was mm. changing my tops i was putting on a long sleeve and then it'd be boiling and i'd take it off and be in a vest i'd have arm warmers on and then take them off um so my body was all over the place in that sense my nose would not stop running i've got a scab underneath my nose I mean, just while I was rubbing my nose so much you know, like, wow. you know hay fever or yeah. um I had hay fever tablets before but whether that was something to do with it I don't know so my body was all over the place in terms of usual functions um there was one stage something else maybe that might have played a, a fact in in some of it was that my hydration strategy that I'd planned we had to edit on the fly during because obviously we know in Dubai it's super hot. I know how much electrolytes I need. I know how much fluid I need. And I'd scaled that down for running here. And I just hadn't factored in enough electrolytes. So we had to ramp it back up to almost the same levels that I would have in Dubai, mm. even though the temperature was only 15, 16 degrees. Um, so I started cramping at about 30K. And there's a, I've been holding sort of 55 minutes per 10K and that dropped to 57. And then there was one block of 10K it was one hour 14, started cramping up, got some more electrolytes into me. And then the next 10K was back to 57. Um, so that was interesting. And then I wondered, oh, I wondered, did that have an effect later on in the run that I dehydrated myself a little? 
although mm. I'd reversed it, fixed it and felt really, really good again. I thought had that maybe factored in, but the thing is my, my hamstrings weren't an issue then. It was the only thing that cramped slightly were my quads. Yeah. That healed almost healed. That, that was fixed almost instantly once I rehydrated. Well, um, once you've been dehydrated, the damage is already done, right? Mm. That's yeah. the tricky part. Interesting. Mate, if you were to look again back through your three months, if you could do the last three months again, then what would you do differently? I would, you know, I would not do three months. I would look a lot further back, mm. a lot further back. I would probably, to, to be competitive at a race like this, I think to do that properly, you need at least six to eight months of dedicated training. Um, it's, my mind, I think, was sharp and ready for it. But physically, I wasn't there. I think I need, um, I would go in, yeah, much better prepared. I would run on, now I know what the course is, I would run a very similar course if I could. There's a slight camber on the left-hand side. There was, it, the concrete was really, really firm. Um, and I was training on slightly softer surfaces. I was training more off-road. So I would get, a lot more dialed in on the specifics mm -hmm. i would make my training a lot more monotonous um but you didn't want to do that i didn't yeah so this <laughs> the is training was monotonous i'm looking at your training peaks but you didn't want to do that this is i know so it's, it's sort of tied in i think you need to be really invested in whether you want to do really well or whether you want to finish mm. I think deep down, I was ready mentally for this race to be in October. And I was excited about the build I had and the preparation I had. So in essence, my preparation for this race would have been my long runs were going to be UTMB and Ultra X Slovenia. So 250 with loads of mountains and then UTMB, which is 170 with 10,000 meters. And then I was going to dial into the specifics of a flat running and I'd have had the leg strength if you like, from all the hills and the climbing, or I say the, the muscle breakdown probably, but I would have had those as my foundation. And then to have this in front kind of threw a curveball in and I hadn't considered how that would affect how I wanted to train, especially through the, the nicer months here in Dubai where you can get yeah. into the mountains and things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're not, it doesn't make you uh, alien at all to be wanting to run on the trails and things during the good weather here you're not a bad person <laughs> not at all i know exactly how it is you know you you just want to go and enjoy what what uae has to offer in the winter because yeah. the weather's so good and you got to go run <laughs> you know 8 p.m till 4 a.m around uh, around the gym track like of course you don't want to do it not many people would mm. um by not many i think maybe honestly less than a hundred people on earth would would want to be doing it so you know it doesn't make you um doesn't make you alien at all it's funny you said and the guy that ultimately won it um a guy called ed really really nice guy i was speaking to him quite a lot and i said so what else have you been doing what other races do you do what training do you do and he, he was basically saying i've been i've been training for this this is what i've been training for yeah. um have you done any other races not really because i've been focusing on this and his, it just hammered home that his sole goal was to, to run this race and to run it really, really well. Mm. Um, 
and he put so much effort and so much time into that. And ultimately he was trying to go out and break, break an Irish record, <clears throat> but he had sacrificed so many other goals, races, um, events that he could have gone to and opportunities, which I still had the chance to do and will do, you know, in the next couple of months. Yeah. Because of this race. And it made me wonder that was, or was the sacrifice worth the, the end goal? And yeah. in the immediate reflection that I have, I'm quite happy with my decision nice. of the training that I did throughout winter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you're a dad, you're a coach, you're a husband first, right? Mm. And then we do, we do these to make us better at, better at life. So, yeah. Did he know that Keith was there? Did he know who he was trying to, well, whose record he was trying to take? <laughs> Keith was there. Keith wasn't running. Keith didn't run in the end. Keith... I know Keith wasn't running, but yeah. Know, got to show some respect to the man. Yeah. He, I tell you what, he's like a celebrity. Kids are asking for autographs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Good. So funny. I tell you what, though, the, the Ireland as a running community is just superb. Yeah. I mean, we can be, it's very easy to get stuck in our little bubble, isn't it, in the Middle East? But, you know, things, great things that we saw. First of all, let's, let's put a big shout out to Jeff, our uh, Jeff. community award winner. Jeffrey. I think his, his longest run prior to this was 70, 70, I want to say 75K or 72, 72K it might have been. And he put out 125 kilometers. Solid, Jeffrey, solid. He was delighted. He was shuffling towards the end. Yeah. There was nothing left in his legs. And Poor then, guy. yeah, big shout out to obviously Marcus, uh, Simon, Eleanor, and Joanne, who won the, uh, what did they win? What even is it called? The relay team. The relay. That's what yeah. I'm looking for with a 285K total. So that was a really. That is awesome. Yeah. Big time. So I put this into perspective then. So the guy that won the solo ran 255K on his own. Yeah. And those four guys ran 285. Mega. So he's only, you know, 30 kilometers behind them over 24 hours, which is not a lot. Team of four next year then, and we go for the big three, big, <laughs> big three, three, maybe 320. You could do, yeah. <laughs> Take skinny in the hand luggage. Yeah, well, he'd love that event. Oh, of course he element. would. In his element. Of course he would. Um, but other th great things that I saw, there was a, an 11-year-old boy that was running with his dad. And his, 24 hours. His dad was running 24 and his wife and the son, uh, son's 11, they were there to support. And so yeah. the son likes running. The son did a few laps and we were running with the dad, having a chat with him. And he said his son's goal originally was to do double digits. So I was thinking double digits. Oh, that's like 10 laps, which is 16, yeah. 16K, which I thought, oh, for an 11 year old, that's a hell of a distance. That's fantastic. He ended up doing 55 miles wow 80 kilometers this little kid smiling the whole way what a champ he'd stop he'd have a sleep in the rv he'd get out and he'd go do another lap on his own then he'd have a rest he'd go out do another lap run with his dad it was, it was brilliant to see so so amazing good. amazing love stuff like that um there was actually a guy as well that used to sell newspapers in glasgow at the bottom of sucky hall street that I remember buying the evening standard from when I was at university, he was there. No way you used to read a newspaper. I did. Um, he was actually there. <laughs> he was there smoking weed on the park bench halfway through the race. <laughs> Brilliant. I love how he's made his way over there. 
just staggering about. Funny guy. Yeah, there's loads of interesting characters at these races, but the community side of it was phenomenal. Super supportive. Um, I can imagine. Yeah, loads of really high quality runners. They are just so passionate about running. Oh, they love sport over there in general, eh? Yeah, everyone knew each other's times. Everyone knew each other's race histories. They all know every race that everyone's been to and what everyone else is going for next. Um, It just, it's almost like how people would talk about professional football teams and football fixtures. And, you know, they, they talk about runners the way they talk about football. Yeah, yeah. And it's amateur. So it's it just, it's great. So yeah. Good. Well, I, to be honest, have a thousand jokes to make about Ireland, but I won't. Um, <laughs> we want your listeners on the podcast. So well done, guys. Keep on supporting sport. Um, mate, any shoe chat? How any, much hoker did we see there? I took three. Oh, mate. I would say 80% of the field were in hokers. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I saw hokers. For most of the relay, most of the individual runners were wearing hokas. Uh, the 50k, the majority of people were actually in carbon. I saw a lot of mm. Adidas, a lot of Nike. Um, the guy that won it was in the Vaporflies. I saw um, he did a 250, 255. 255, 50k. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Around a lap like that. Oof. Yeah. Was yeah, it congested, that- mate? There's a lot of people on that course. That- um the path's really wide and so uh, the, the etiquette was quite good so uh, if you heard someone coming up behind you you give them the racing line mm. um and it was it was you know everyone sort of ran single file if you like there are a few okay few people that are running in groups but they'd move into single lanes so it was actually it worked out really really well okay. it wasn't too congested um but the park was open so you'd have everyone running and then you have people walking their dogs and you'd have uh. families on bikes and you'd have just everyone just out and about anywhere is normal. Disaster. <laughs> Disaster. Yeah. I think anyway, uh, Hoka was well represented. I'd say about 80% of the people wearing <clears throat> Hokas. I barely saw any Adidas. Oof. I saw one pair of On. Oh, yeah. Um, a lot of Sokoni and a lot any of Any barefoots? Barefoot tits? No. Uh, one photographer was wearing barefoot lunar sandals. <laughs> Solid. Solid. Always the photographer. And uh, Mate, do you think that sort of event is... Uh, how long has it been going on for? Quite a few years. Yeah. The, the company Atlas Running do lots of events of this nature. They do lots of last man standing, backyard style events. Mm. Um, they do lots of point-to-point races, like Belfast to Dublin. Um, yeah, so they are, they're very popular. Very, very popular. I think keeping the park open, although it, it can be a disaster, I reckon, if you're racing, but it gives a chance for like that 11 year old to, to get involved. And it mm. probably inspires so many people because most ultras, although you get to travel the world and you're in beautiful places, not many other people get to see them mm-hmm. only on Instagram. And then they think, Oh, I'll never be able to do that. But when you've got one running around laps of a park in a big city like Belfast, I mean, how good is that for the sport? It's probably why the community in Ireland is the way it is because they have events like that. Yeah, definitely. And so people that, turning up to the park and saying, what's this, what's going on? And we come around and walk, be able to walk a full lap and watch people um, go and speak to the organizers, see all the tents, interact with the athletes. It was, yeah, it definitely makes, gives it a really good vibe and makes it much more inclusive. And like you say, inspires lots of people. Yeah. Brilliant. Mate, I'm going to let you go drink a pint of Guinness. Thanks.
thank you for coming on sharing <laughs> your immediate thoughts we'll we'll have you back in dubai tomorrow uh, yeah i'll let you know your flight times because i seem to be quite good at that reminding you when you're flying <laughs> you were stressed when i was flying over that i was going to miss my flight <laughs> very stressed <laughs> yeah hopefully that some of that made sense i don't think i uh, i articulated quite a lot of it very well in my head it made sense but maybe when it comes out of my mouth it was slightly different it makes sense i think if you if it if you don't know what it's like to run long or do ultra endurance then it should make you more interested in it and if you do know what it's like then you know exactly what rob's talking about mm. if you have I any questions feel free to just ask me directly i think yeah an option. and i think also it doesn't for, to get what you're talking about in terms of the the mind benefits if you like it doesn't need to be a 24-hour run like if if you if 10k for you is what you're running at the moment then you will get those kind of thoughts trying to run a marathon and if you're running a marathon at the moment then you might get those thoughts doing a longer run like a a 50 or a 60 or it doesn't even have to be a run like you just go and spend time kind of on your own for a prolonged period of time Mm -hmm. and your mind will start finding ways of getting you out of the uncomfortable situation so don't see it as an unachievable thing. See it as something that you could lean into and actually get quite interested by. Um, and it, and it, the longer you go, the kind of the harder it gets to unlock that level where your brain starts asking you the, the questions about it. And I guess that's what one of the questions a lot of people ask ultra runners is, well, you know, how long is, how long is long enough? Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very hard one to answer. Yeah. It'd be quite nice to get those sorts of quite nice to be able to do that with just, you know, a 10 K or a marathon instead of having to run for a day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you can, I'd argue you can by doing multiple, if you, if you really load up your week Mm. and then, you know, you're sat on the sofa on a Sunday and you're like, Oh my God, I have 10 K left to do, you know, to finish off a training week. I mean, that can feel as bad as doing the final, you know, hour of a, of a 24 hour, if you've had a big enough week, but that's all relative to, to who you are. It's very true. Yeah. Cool, mate. Go drink Guinness. Lovely. Um, oh, I didn't ask you this. What shoes did you use? Hoka? Uh, Which ones? I had three, three pairs. So I sized up. I had started with Hoka Mac 4. Um, and then I went into the Hoka Clifton. And then I went back to Mac 4, but a full size bigger when my feet started to swell. Oof. Uh, shorts? Shorts, I was wearing run in rabbit tights. Hmm. The mid thigh oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the ones. I have those pair. I was like, I don't know those, but I actually have them. You do. Yeah, that's the reason I got them because you recommended them. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's how long I haven't run for, is I've forgotten what, what I run in. Socks. Um, I wore two pairs of socks. I started off with Rocket running. I went a size up initially to lie for my feet to swell initially and mm. for my toes to wiggle. I didn't want the socks to be tight. And then I swapped them halfway through for a pair of Versus socks. And I have one tiny blister on the second toe of my right foot. And that is all. I have no rub points, no chafing anywhere on my legs, body. Amazing groin area nothing amazing um what's else is important any uh eyewear eyewear oakley oakley, oakley. sunglasses headwear. headwear i wore a solomon hat when i was when my body had no idea what was going on and i was cold other than that i went hatless and i think 
fueling. I made pancakes. I had wraps. I had precision gels, uh, hydration. I had water, coffee, and precision hydration 1500 milligram tablets. What else is important? I tipped up, my nip, tipped up my nipples. I had some Vaseline, but didn't really oh, need yeah. it. Yeah. I had uh, Asda own brand hay fever tablets. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> Mate, what a day out. What a day out. That's the admin. Good. Um, excellent. I enjoy these shows. We'll be doing another one before uh, before your UTMB race. Perfect. And another one after it. Okay. And yeah. What's coming up? Shamini Camp. Are we struggling for content? <laughs> uh, next week's a good show. I've booked it in. Big show next week. Show. If, if you have any tendon injuries, so that's all of you, you're going to want to listen to next week's show. It's perfect for me. Um, mate, Chamonix Camp coming up. Chamonix Camp, yep. I actually, I've just finished the route planning. Oof. Now we know how confident we shouldn't be with that. Why? <laughs> I d- this is something else I was struggling with during the run. I was in turmoil as whether or not I've made the camp too hard. <laughs> Brilliant. That's exactly what you want to be thinking about. It's, it's not distances. I think there's a lot of elevation in this camp, but nah. it's, a, it's a mountain camp. It's meant to be full of elevation. So that's and, okay. Un- unlimited I, croissants also. I, I convinced myself that it's fine. And if anything, we'll make it harder. Good. Enjoy it. Sweet. That's it, mate. Anything else coming up? No, that's it. Shamley Run Camp. Amazing. Summer holiday. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great day. If you have questions, Rob, reach to him direct mm. on the Instagram. Or if you're not on the Instagram, you're probably on email. Uh, so get hold of him, rj at innerfight.com. Or if you are on the Instagram, Rob Jones Endurance, you can email the show, endurance at innerfight.com with any questions, any suggestions, any guest suggestions, maybe yourself, maybe you've got a friend, let us know. We'll get them on. And thank you very much for listening. And we will be back next week with a guest. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.